What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Epic Dad Legacy Podcast, the podcast committed to helping you level up your game as a dad and become the husband, father, and man you are called to be. My name is Drew Camp, founder of the Epic Dad Company, and I want to say thank you for being here. If you're new to the show, thank you for tuning in. You picked a great episode to jump right in. And if you've been listening for a while, thank you for all the support you've given the show. We've continued to see a ton of growth, and it is all thanks to you guys. With your help, we're spreading the mission of this podcast literally across the world with thousands of dads listening, and that does not happen without your support. Now, I've got a couple of quick notes before we hop into this episode, which you guys are not going to want to miss. Uh, first is you should see a massive improvement in sound quality with this episode and all future episodes going forward. Uh, I've been using a $30 microphone from Amazon, and it's helped us grow the show to where we are right now, but it is not good enough anymore. Uh, we got our first negative review for the show, unfortunately, uh, and it didn't have anything to do with the content or the substance of the show. Actually, there were some pretty nice things said about the show. Uh, however, they did mention that our sound quality was atrocious, and I don't disagree with them. Uh, they're definitely not wrong. Uh, the $30 microphone that got us to this point is not going to help us grow past this. So I went ahead and ponied up and purchased a brand new Blue Yeti microphone. So hopefully the sound quality is much, much better. <clears throat> but that just goes to show you that you don't need to have it all figured out, guys. If you've got an idea or a passion or a calling to do something, but you don't know the first step, just go. Just Google it and go. You don't need to have everything figured out. Just get going. Put something out there, get feedback, iterate, and get better along the way. And that also shows uh, that I actually read our reviews and I take your feedback seriously. So drop down on Apple or Spotify and let us know what you think of the show. We would love to hear from you. Secondly, I mentioned on uh, a previous episode before, but we're working really hard uh, kind of in the background to create an epic dad community, uh, a place where us dads can hang out, we can communicate we can hold each other accountable and support each other to become the best versions of ourselves. Now, there's going to be a lot more to come on this, but uh, the first thing we are putting together is what we're calling our Epic Dad Crew. Now, this is going to be a private Discord channel where we'll have daily workouts posted, nutrition tracking, monthly challenges, Zoom calls, accountability buddies, and a whole lot more, all designed to facilitate growth with our community. Now, we're doing some beta testing right now with the Epic Dad crew, and it has been amazing so far. Guys are literally changing their lives in the Epic Dad crew, and I cannot wait to open it up to the broader public. So if you have been looking for a community of like-minded dads that are all on the same path of becoming the best husbands, fathers, and men they're called to be, then you are definitely going to want to join our Epic Dad crew as soon as we launch. Now, the target date to open it up uh, to the public is at the end of this month uh, of April 2023. So be on the lookout for a lot of communication uh, around that. If you are not subscribed to our email, uh, you need to go on our website, you need to opt in, you need to get signed up for our email so you know when we drop the Epic Dad crew. Okay, gents, with that out of the way, I am super excited to bring you today's guest. Today, I've got on Ryan Mickler from Order of Man. Ryan is a husband, father, Iraqi combat veteran, and the founder of Order of Man. Ryan grew up without a permanent father figure and has seen firsthand how a lack of strong, ambitious, self-sufficient men has impacted society today. He believes many of the world's most complicated problems could be solved if men everywhere learned how to be better husbands, fathers, businessmen, and community leaders. 
It has now become his life's mission to help men across the planet step more fully into their roles as protectors, providers, and presiders over themselves, their families, their businesses, and their communities. Ryan is the author of Sovereignty, The Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Men, and The Masculinity Manifesto, How a Man Establishes Influence, Credibility, and Authority. In this episode, Ryan and I dive right into what it means to be a good man and a good father, and some practical things you can do today to become bolder in your beliefs and more courageous in your speech and action. Now, Ryan has recently gone through some pretty severe changes in his life, including struggling with alcohol and recently going through a divorce. Ryan is not perfect, and he doesn't pretend to be. None of us are, but he is absolutely a voice of inspiration for thousands of men and fathers out there and humbly accepts the responsibility of continuously improving and becoming a better man. Okay, guys, let's hop into this episode with Ryan Mickler from Order of Man. Are you ready to become the dad you were meant to be? Good, because this is the Epic Dad Legacy Podcast, where imperfect actions are better than perfect ideas, promises kept are more important than promises made, and nothing happens unless you make it happen. My name is Drew, father of three and founder of the Epic Dad Company. My mission is to help dads up their game and become the husbands, fathers, and men they're called to be. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the episode. All right, what is up, guys? Welcome back to the Epic Dad Lacey Podcast. Hey, I am super pumped for today's episode. We've got on uh, on Ryan Mickler. So, Ryan, man, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, Drew? Glad to be here, man. I'm, I've been looking forward to the conversation. I don't know how I got it wrong on my calendar, but uh, I'm glad we can make it happen. <laughs> Absolutely. I've been man. traveling yeah. <laughs> a little bit, so I think it had to do like when I put it in Google, I might have been on the East Coast or the West Coast or something, and it didn't translate right. But regardless, here we are. Dude, yeah, man, I'm just I'm just stoked to make it happen. Um, you know, and and, and uh, super respectful of your time, and, and just want to say thank you in advance for for coming on and, and all the value you're going to provide for for the guys in our community, man. So it's going to be a blast, I hope dude. So. Um, I hope so. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of drenched in, in in sweat for for guys that aren't on video. I, I I was trying to stick to my calendar too. Um, we just got done with family vacation, and I came back a day early to get to get back to work and kind of get in the zone. And uh, noon Eastern was like workout time, and I was like, shit, man, I only have you know, an hour before Ryan comes on, but like, I got to get it in, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get it in where you can. It's, it, it's, it's a challenge to squeeze that in. I talk with a lot of guys who are like, I don't know when to work out. I'm like, I don't either. I just try to squeeze it in as best I can. So. Yeah, man, we actually just made a post today, um, shared one of, uh, Bedros's reels. Um, which I'm sure you, you know, Bedros as well. Um, yeah. but it, it was, it was about, uh, fitness is, is the gateway drive to personal excellence. And, and really like our post is about, you know, like we're a dad brand, right? And so we talk all, all stuff about fatherhood and a big component for us is fitness. And it's really like dads always complain about, I don't have time, right? I just can't find the time. I can't find the time to work out. And like, so we had a post today. It's like, you're never going to find the time. It's like, you just yeah. have to make time, right? It's right. like, you got to make it a priority. Even that I'm hesitant to say, I mean, I think the words we use matter, you know, make time. We, we really can't make time either. Uh, it would be awesome if we could, I'd love to make <laughs> some additional time. Uh, but again, it might be just semantics, but I think it's really important. We discuss, you just got to manage your schedule better. Yeah. That's really what it is. And, and look, I'm not here to tell you it's perfect on my end. It's certainly not, but I'm not going to lie about it. You know, I, there may have been a time I would I'm like, Oh, I don't have the time. I need to make time or I'm busy or that, you know, or just say it's not a priority or just yeah. say you suck at time management. That's what I'm trying to work on right now is just being truthful about what I'm good at. And where I'm not good, because if I'm lying to myself, even just these small little white lies in the, in the words I use, the word I choose to use in that moment, 
uh, it's it's not going to help you get what you want. Yeah, no, I like that perspective too. Uh, to, to your point, I mean, we all had 24 hours, right? Um, exactly. You can't, you can't exactly make it, right? Yeah, it'd be nice if you could, but but yeah, it just comes down to you, how are you prioritizing your schedule, right? And if it is a priority, you're going to bucketize that time to, to get it in, you know? And look, if it's not a priority, then just say that and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not okay. I, I think you should exercise. I think you should train your body. Uh, so it's, I'm not, I'm not saying it's okay, but I, but I'm saying it's better to say that's not a priority than to say it is and lie to yourself about why you're not accomplishing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Well, we just jump right in, man. I want to, I want to give you an opportunity for guys that don't know you right to, um, you know, if, if you could kind of just intro yourself, let people know what you, you know, who you are, what, what, what you've got going on. And then really, I'd love to just know kind of your overall thesis, right? You kind of have three things and, and three pillars on protect, provide, preside. And kind of just, you know, what does that mean, right? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, what I do, I, I run an organization called Order of Man. And I started this thing eight years ago, not really with some goal or ambition of placing myself out ahead of any man or telling people I had things all figured out. But uh, there were some things I wanted to improve upon in my life. And there, there are lots of other things that I still want to improve upon in my life. And I thought, what better way to do that than to start a podcast and have conversations with inspiring men, you know, guys that... Bedros has been on a couple of times. He's become a close personal friend. In fact, I'm going to see him in a couple of weeks with my two oldest boys. Um, you know, it's, I, I just wanted to learn from guys like this, Jocko and, and Andy Frasilla and Bedros. And then I, I've had Matthew McConaughey on the podcast and Terry Crews and Tim Kennedy and Tim Tebow. Like, it's amazing. I never would have thought George Foreman's coming on the podcast next week. Like, I never would have thought that I would have these opportunities uh, but I think it's a testament to the fact that guys want to, they, they want to step up, right? We, we want to band with other men. We want to step up. We want to learn from other guys. We want to grow. We want to develop. We want to be the best dads that we can be. We want to be the best people in general we can be. And, and uh, that's what we've been doing for eight years. Uh, I've never shied away from my own personal struggles. In fact, I'm in the midst of some really, really hard struggles currently, you know, that you're familiar with and know of. Um, so yeah, you know, sometimes I feel unqualified to, to be quote unquote running this organization. But at the same time, if I can share some of my own personal struggles and victories with other men and it will help them in their lives, then I feel like that's the goal. As, as, as uh, you talked about our, our motto, if you will, and it's more than just, you know, a clever motto that uses uh, alliteration, protect, provide, preside is, is something that I'm striving to, to live in my own life. I fall short of it in so many ways so often. Uh, and, and, but I, but I still, even though I fall short, uh, I still believe that that is the goal of, for myself, I can't speak for other men, but I know there's a lot of lost men out there who are wondering what their mission is, what their purpose is. We talked a little bit briefly before we hit record about military service. And, you know, there's a lot of mission in that outside of the military or professional sports. We don't, we don't get that a lot. And so if, if you can aim yourself in a direction as a man, I would say that's, that's a pretty healthy way to go to protect other people, to provide for yourself and others and preside, lead, lead well and develop the skills and capability to doing all those three things. Yeah, no, I, I love that, man. I, I mean, obviously like alliteration aside, right? There, there's a lot that, that goes into that and the development of that. And I think uh, I've been personally diving into, uh, in, into purpose, mission and vision lately. Um, and we've got a, a group of guys um, that, that we kind of run through and, and having a little Discord channel and we're doing the same thing, right? We're going through an exercise right now because I think what, and, and we'll definitely dive into, um, you know, masculinity and really like how does lack of purpose 
like what does how does that show up in culture? Because I think we're we're seeing that um, you know pretty often, especially you know you and I both be a military veteran, kind of struggling with that too. Is you've got to find that new purpose. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean it it it, it it's excuse me, I'm <laughs> trying to find the words here. Um, without that purpose, I think you're just going to be lost, right? Um, and I think it, us as dads, it, it's sometimes it's hard for us to define that. Like we we come to the table and we say, okay, cool. I know my job as a dad is to, to provide. Like I've got that. I want to provide financially, but I think there's so much more to it than, than that, right? You've got to provide leadership for your family. You've got to provide direction. Um, so I wonder if you can touch on that a little bit, especially just kind of, you know, pull the string on that provide uh, bucket that you have. Yeah. I mean, that's where we naturally gravitate towards. Look, I'm really good at financial provision and, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I'm very successful financially. I've made a lot of money over the past several years. Uh, we've been very successful. Um, I've always been pretty good with money. I'm a financial advisor in previous life. Like that's always been something I've had a pretty good lock on. Um, that isn't it. I mean, that's it. That's part of it. But that that isn't it. Uh, I'll give you an example. And this actually doesn't have to do with my own children in a, in a way. Uh, my second son, I'm coaching his baseball team right now. And last night we had a game and uh, we got throttled. <laughs> we, we got beat up. And I ha- I asked this kid, one of, one of our players, a good kid, um, good little baller, super athletic. He gets down on himself really quickly, though. And, you know, I actually appreciate that because he expects the best mm-hmm. of himself. You know, mm-hmm. So I can appreciate that. So he's uh, 12, 13 years old. And I said, hey, man, I need you to pitch. Like, we had one player that called in. He's like, I can't make it. I'm sick. And I, I can't. I wish I could. I can't. And so I asked this kid. I said, I need you to pitch. I know you've pitched in the past. I know it's not your position, but I need you to throw. I need you to open us up. He's like, all right. And he threw and he got, he got beat up in the first inning down, down six runs in the first inning, down two runs in the second inning, uh, closed out three in the third inning. He got progressively better by the fourth inning. He was just tired. You know, he's throwing balls. He was tired and, and he did exactly what I wanted him to. I needed to get him. I needed him to get us through three innings Mm -hmm. so I could bring in our closer. And, uh, I went out there he walked another batter, bases loaded. I went out there. I said, hey, you know, you've pitched a hell of a game. Like, I got to bring in, bring in this other kid. I'm not using names on purpose, so I, I, I protect our young men. So uh, he got teary-eyed. You know, he got upset. And I couldn't talk to him a whole lot there on the mound, but tried to console him a little bit and tell him he did a good job. And he really did. You know, I know he went down hard in the first, but he really did a good job, especially not pitching for a long time. And we brought in our other pitcher and, you know, we still got throttled, but we were able to, to redeem some, some credibility a little bit. Uh, anyways, I pulled him aside after and, and, you know, it was hard to see him, see him upset, to see him cry, you know, and, and I just had a really good conversation about his effort and his courage to do something that's scary. You know, I, I knew when I asked him, I saw it in his face, like, I don't know coach you scared and he did it and he did it with with bravery and courage and I, I was really proud of him but also proud of myself to be able to you know not necessarily dwell on the fact that we went down hard in the first inning but that he got up there and he was bold and he was courageous and he was he he tried and he took a risk and those are all the things that I acknowledged in him and that's something we overlook. I think a lot as dads, you know, yeah, I got the money thing on lock and we got a house and we got a car and you don't have to worry about, you know, registration fees for football or baseball. But when's the last time we actually sat down with our kid when they were upset and said, Hey, you know, how you doing? Talk to me about what's going on. 
what are you dealing with? Or, you know, my oldest son, based on some own, my own personal issues, had some really harsh words for me uh, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, normally I'd, I'd try to defend myself and stand up for myself and not, you know, that, that takes courage. It takes courage for a young man to, to stand up and say how he really feels to his father. And I commend him for doing that. And this is something I'm really trying to work on that I haven't always been, been great at, but yeah, the provision goes much more than just the financial provision. I wish I would have known that a long time ago. I did know that. I wish I would have applied it more effectively a long time ago. Mm. Yeah. I think and we get stuck in that, right? We, we, you know, we hear this phrase, Hey, my, my job is to provide as the dad. And we just immediately go to financial. Right. But that is like a small, small component. Um, you know, because there are, you know, just what we were talking about, right. There, there's dads out there that provide financially. Right. Um, you know, but if they're not there, if they're not providing that leadership, providing those lessons, providing that guidance, providing that example for, for kids to live up to, you know, it's like, it's like, you're not even there, right? It's just like, you're checking the box, you're a paycheck that, that, you know, for the family. Right. And so there's just so much more that goes into, into provision. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's pretty rewarding when you, when you do it, you know, that's, that's the thing is when you see your child come to you and explain something they're dealing with, whether it's girl issues, my oldest is 15 now. And so whether it's girl issues and you know, the fact he, he told me the other day about one of these, this, this girl he's chasing around and he was talking about some of his struggles with her. And I, I just thought, man, that's awesome. Like he can come to me and talk about girlish. I didn't, I didn't ask. I didn't say, how's it going with so-and-so he just said, Hey dad, here's what's going on. What do you think? I'm like, man, that's, that's really fulfilling. The fact that he would ask me about it and value what I have to share and, and, and add that, that says I'm doing something right. I get a yeah. lot wrong, but that says I've got something right. Yeah. And um, makes me, Makes me, uh, makes me happy that I've been able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that work goes to, you know, to the beginning um, and when they're little, you know, like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm on, you know, a similar journey, right? But probably a little bit behind you. I've got uh, two girls that are six, six and four. Uh, one's about to be seven. And then I've got a, a son that's a year. And so I'm a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, further down the journey um, on, on the back end. But um, I, I try to be as intentional as possible about, having those conversations with them, even if they're, you know, they don't even understand it, right? Like just have, sit down, have a conversation with them, make sure they're comfortable with dad, right? And then I think too, a, a big thing is making sure they're comfortable to come with you about the important stuff. Because even though it, it may seem super, super small, like when they're, they're little, you're building that trust with them, you're building that relationship. So they have that comfort. So when they are older, those problems become, you know, more serious, right? They, they know dad's not going to freak out on him. He's not going to flip out. He's going to, you know, yeah. to listen to them. He's going to understand them. And so I think it starts when they're little and it, it seems like such a small thing of like, they come to you upset about their Legos, right? You just brush it off, right? Because you're like, whatever, it's Legos. But I think if you are intentional about that time, because that's important to them in the moment, right? They're four, you know, but if you you get on their level, sit down, right? Have a conversation with them about what's what's upsetting them. How can we solve the problem, et cetera. I think they're just going to be that much more comfortable by the time they are 15, and, and want to have a conversation about girls, it's more serious. They had that level of comfortability with you. You know, I had one experience with my oldest, like I said, he's 15 now, and he'd be mortified if he knew I was sharing this, but <laughs> it's, it's important to share this. I had one experience with him that really underscored what you're talking about here, that I got a few things right with regards to my communication with him. And uh, this was probably two or so years ago. So he would have been 13 or so at the time. And we were out in the barn working on uh, the canoe that, 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 that uh, we were working on. And he said, dad, and I could tell the way that he said it. I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, what, <laughs> what's this about? And he's like, dad, I'm like, yeah, but he's like, what's a blowjob? <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. We're, We're having this conversation. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. How do I talk with my 13 year old son about a blow job? You know, and, and I was grateful that he asked me because that, that, that means we have a connection he can talk about because he, mm-hmm. he knew it was awkward because, because the way that he approached it. But I was glad that he asked me about it. And, uh, you know, I could have made it weird. I could have made it awkward. I could have teased him. That's what a lot of guys do. It's like they'll mm-hmm. tease their kids. Uh, but instead, I didn't do that. Instead, we actually discussed what it was appropriately, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably differently than I talk about it with my, my buddies. <laughs> but we did it in an appropriate way. And, and I explained what it was. And I explained uh, the context in which that would be appropriate behavior and which it wouldn't be appropriate behavior. And, you know, we had a really good discussion. But I think... Uh, if teasing is a big thing that we don't do in our house regarding things that we, that are, that are good and natural. So we don't tease about with our boys. We don't tease about girls and with our daughter, we don't tease about boys. It's not a thing we do here. We all know that rule. It's not, that's important. We don't tease each other about that. Cause I, I want that. Like I want my daughter to be attracted to, mm-hmm. to, to good boys. I want my sons to be attracted to good girls. So we're not going to tease about that. Um, but I also think that there's a big issue with the way that we approach these conversations and we make it awkward bro, you're, you're the, your kid's dad. You're not an 11 year old, mm-hmm. like schoolboy. grow up. You know, if you can't have a conversation about what a blowjob is with your son, I mean, have you never got like, have you never matured to the stage that you need to? So let, let's, let's stop goofing around, you know, with that kind of stuff. Let's stop making it awkward and weird guys will be like, oh, I don't know how to talk about sex with my kid. I'm like, really? Like you're not comfortable enough with sex that you can't talk with your own son or daughter about it. I don't understand that, you know, so get comfortable with that stuff. Get comfortable with the hard conversations when they approach you about it. Don't make them feel stupid or silly because the next time they have something difficult they want to talk about, they're not going to talk with you about it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because you made them feel like garbage instead. Hey, say, you know, my son, and I don't know the exact conversation. I don't remember, but I said, Hey, you know, bud, that's a, that's an interesting question. Tell me what you know about it. Tell me what you know about what you think it is. Mm-hmm. And we discussed it and had a conversation. It was actually a really healthy conversation around, you know, yeah, what could have been an awkward conversation, but it's up to us as men to lead and dictate the tone of the conversation. And a lot of times we fail in that aspect, but if we do, then we shut that conversation off altogether. Yep. And then I can come back to you with something else, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I think too, I mean, a big part of our, our job too, in, in, you know, protect, right. One of your other ones that you have here is like, we're not always going to be around as dad, you know, like, I've got, I've got two daughters. I want to love them and cuddle them, you know, all the time. Right. But it's my job to make sure they are ready for the the realities of, of life. Right. And they can handle that and have discernment and make the right decisions um, when I'm not here. And that could be when they turn 18 and move away. That could be later today. You know, I get hit by a truck or something. Right. And so I think, you know, we have to keep that in mind too, is that when they come to us with these, these questions, they're going to get the answer from somewhere. And like, to your point, you want to control that conversation and dictate that conversation and be able to instill the, the values that are important to your family, you know, rather than having that conversation on the playground, right. And learning about it that way. I think, you right. know, and, and we just, we do that so often as dads is we, we push that away. We, we, you know, de- delegate that responsibility to society to have that conversation with them. And then we wonder later on, like, all right, well, what's, what's going on with culture? It's like, well, it's because we didn't, we didn't take that responsibility. Right. And so I think right. when your kids come to you with that, it, it's paramount that you take the time to have that conversation with it and be real with them because ultimately at the end of the day, like your, your job as a dad, and I'd love to get your take on this too, is like your role as a father is like to, to make sure that your kid is, is equipped 
to go out and to, to conquer the world on their own, right? Because you're not going to be there to support them. Um, so I, I loved your take on that, man. Yeah, I've often said that our job as fathers is to render ourselves obsolete. I mean, that's yeah, as succinct as that. I can say mm-hmm. it. You know, your, your job is to put yourself out of work. And it's not that your kids won't always want to be around you or they won't need you in some capacity. But look, if your kid's 18 years old and isn't excited to move out, that, that's on you. You know, it, it, if here's one I see a lot. I think this is a growing trend is kids aren't even getting their licenses at 16 anymore. Their driver's license. Have you seen this? No, no. I mean, my, kid, my kids are, you know, toddlers right now. Yeah, they're younger. Yeah. Look, kid, like they're not. They're just delaying and pushing it off. And I'm like, I don't need a car. I don't like, I don't know about you, but when I was 16, when I was 15, I was stoked. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When I was 18, I went on our senior trip for high school and we went to California. We did Disneyland and that sort of thing and came back. I think the next day I moved out. No issue with my mom, no problems at home. It's like, I'm 18. It's time to move on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Time to be with my buddies. I went down to college, a college town and, and, you know, we chased around girls and did poorly on our grades and like did what we were supposed to do at the appropriate time. Right. But you see kids now and it's like, man, they don't get their driver's licenses. They stick around to the 25, 30 years old at their mom's and dad's house. I I don't understand that. Uh, Yeah. Why do do you think that is? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with we're putting responsibility on our children where it shouldn't be put. And then we're taking away responsibility where it should. So when I say responsibility where it shouldn't be, we let our kids dictate everything. Like, Hey, how do you feel? What like, you know, what do you, what do you feel like doing? You don't like this thing. Okay. Let me make life more comfortable for you. Are you a boy? Oh, you don't feel like a boy. Maybe you're a girl then like we're, we're letting children, irrational human beings make decisions that adults should be guiding and directing on. I mean, this transgender thing is a big issue. Mm. You don't let a child tell you that they don't feel like a boy or they don't feel like, of course they don't. Yeah. Because they don't know what that means. Mm. They don't know what it means. They don't understand it. And then when you have young, young boys going through puberty, they don't feel, they don't feel confident. Of course they don't. You know, my, my 15 year old son, three years ago was a chubby little roly poly. He wasn't confident in in himself. If I would have said, Hey, you know, be happy with yourself. And how do you feel? And you, you make all the decisions. He'd still be a little, he'd be a little taller, but he'd still be a roly poly and still feel a lot a lot of uh, confidence issues. Instead, we said, all right, well, what are we going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Let us help you. Let us put you on the path. He just got back from South Carolina last week and competed in his, his first uh, national powerlifting competition that he qualified for three separate times because he kept moving up in weight brackets. You know, this is because we give him guidance and direction. So we can't abdicate responsibility where we need to take that on as parents. But then there's also opportunities. This kind of juxtaposes with what I just said that you can allow them to make decisions and you should, you know, if you're going out to eat for a restaurant, you might say, Hey, where do you want to eat? And they're like, I don't care. Say, no, you make a decision. Yep. I want you to make a decision, you know, or if they have responsibilities around the house, then you give them the responsibility and say, Hey, I need this, 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 and this done. Well, when should I do it? I don't care this weekend, today, tomorrow. I don't care, but these things need to be done by this time. And then when they're not done, there's consequences to that. Mm -hmm. So now you give some responsibility for yourself, being responsible for guiding them to, to the right behavior and then responsible to them for making those decisions, for doing it right. Yeah. So yeah. We've, we've got to take responsibility where it's important, life altering type decisions and give some, some responsibility to them as appropriate so they can learn to handle their life on their own. 
Hey guys, interrupting this episode real quick to tell you how we keep this podcast going. And that is by you supporting the Epic Dadco or Tedco for short. Tedco is the only premium natural supplement brand designed specifically for busy dads just like you. We create 100% natural, 100% label transparent, incredible supplements to help fuel your journey to be a better athlete, leader, provider, but above all, a better father. We believe that the best way you can show up for your family is to start taking care of yourself first. Our first supplement we've released is an all-natural pre-workout designed specifically to help you get to the gym, get an effective workout in, and get back to doing what you do best, fatherhood. Tedco Pre is loaded with clinical doses of the most important ingredients you want in a pre-workout, including 6 grams of BCAAs, 6 grams of citrulline, 5 grams of creatine, and 3.2 grams of beta-alanine. Hop over to theepicdad.com and use discount code LEGACY, that's discount code LEGACY, to get 20% off your first order for being a loyal listener of the show. All right, let's hop back into this episode. Yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, right, fatherhood is leadership. It is what it is, right? And and I'm wondering, because what, what you're saying just totally takes me back to, you know, my time in the military, right? As as a Joe, um, like, like a you know, private, and then also, you know, to all the way up to a commissioned officer, um, you know, it's like, there are different levels of responsibility. And, you know, at, at its core, father's leadership, because you are providing that direction, providing that, that, uh, that vision for your family, or, you know, your unit, whatever it is. Um, but then also you delegate down some responsibility to, to lower levels, right. For them to make decisions. And so it's kind of like, I don't know if you, I'm sure you're familiar with the philosophy, um, uh, mission command, right. Is, is, Hey, if we align on the core values, right. Or in a military sense, we align on the vision, you know, of what we're trying to execute as an operation, then we can delegate that responsibility down to the lowest level to, to make those decisions. And so it's kind of the same thing, right. When you think about your family is, is like you said, you're providing that vision, you're providing that direction. And then where it's appropriate, you, you know, you allow them to make decisions and you push them to, to kind of have that discernment to make the right decision. So it just kind of brings me back to like military structure too. Yeah. I mean, I talk with a lot of people who not only in their, in the relationship they have with their children, but it, even maybe it's a work and positions of authority, we'll say, where they don't feel like they can trust their people. Well, I don't trust this person to make this decision right, or I don't trust my children to do what they should be doing. Well, whose fault is that? You know, we're their fathers, we're their boss, we're their employee, we're their team leader. Like, whose fault is that if your people aren't making the right decisions? Mm -hmm. It's our fault. It's on us. And, and I like that idea of commander's intent. Like, here's what we need to get done. Here's what we need to accomplish. And uh, I'm going to give you some authority to be able to do it. Not enough to kill yourself or ruin the mission. Yeah. yeah. You know, but enough where... Okay, if you mess up, there's going to be a consequence to it, but not so much that it's going to derail everything. And then give people enough rope to hang themselves with a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I think that is one of the keys as a father is if we can give our, our children enough room to just, you know, teach them a lesson without permanently damaging them. I think that's a really powerful place to play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, I think, and um, too often we don't. Yeah. I would say it's uh, Jordan Peterson has this quote it's, um, you know, you got to let children live dangerously or something like that. I'm probably butchering it, but live yeah. dangerously, like, but supervised or, or something like that. Right. It's yes. like, Hey, if they're, if they're climbing a tree and, and they're 10 feet up, that's great. Let them, let them fall. Right. Hey, if they're 50 feet up, like maybe we need to do something. Right. But <laughs> right. You, gotta, you gotta like, let them take some risks, make decisions, you know, have consequences, things like that. But I want to, I want to bring it in and, and really focus on, on fatherhood here too. Um, 
So I'm sure you're familiar with the stats, uh, Ryan, but I'll, I'll, I just want to read them off just for, for the listeners, just like how impactful having a present father in the home is. So 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Uh, 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of children who show beha- uh, behavior disorders from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 43% of U.S. children live without a present father in the home. And so like when you when you take a look at our culture, right, and, and we talked about it a little bit, like we have seen a massive decline over the past 20 to 30 years. And whether that's intentional, whether that's unintentional is a separate conversation, you know, but when you peel back the, the, the layers and just look at root cause, like it comes down to, is there a present father that leads in the home? And if there's not, we, we see these negative, you know, consequences. So I, I'd love to just hear like your thoughts on, on, you know, all the work that you've done, like how important is fatherhood and where are dads going wrong? Like, I think we all had the right intentions of we want to be a good dad, but like, where are we going wrong to get these stats and, and how do we turn it around? Well, look, I mean, here's the reality. I, I told you earlier, we, we talked about some things going on in my personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the first podcast I've done since I really shared a lot of what, what is going on in my personal life. And, and part of that is, I hate to say it, it's painful every time I say it, is I'm, I'm actually in the midst of a divorce right now. Um, a lot of that derived from, uh, from, from me drinking and letting that get out of hand in the way that, that, I, that I treated my soon-to-be ex-wife. And, you know, it's really painful. It's really fresh right now. It's really painful. And then when you read those stats, I'm like, those are legitimate stats that I'm actually more, I'm confronted with more than I ever have been in my life because my children are going to be divided between time with my wife and, and myself. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's it's heartbreaking, you know, to to think that we're we're in the midst of this. I I think those stats are are alarming. Um, I think it's dangerous. I, I think it, it it sets a precedent for some very challenging times for our children. And so, look, I know a lot of guys listening are probably in a very similar boat. Uh, I wish I wasn't here, but I am. So we have to deal in reality. So what do I need to do? Well, I need to fight for my kids, number one, you know, and, and fortunately my wife and I have a really good relationship, all things, my ex-wife, I need to say that it's, that's going to, that's going to take a while to break, but we have a good relationship, all things considered. And we're committed to making sure that we co-parent well. And part of that is the way that I've shown up in wake of what's been going on between her and I. Uh, I think if I showed up like a complete tool, uh, you know, she would have want to be more contentious and fight and we don't, neither one of mm-hmm. us do. So that's really important is that we maintain some, am, am, some sense of, of being amicable towards each other in the relationship because my kids are priority number one right now. Uh, also, uh, when, we're, when we're together, we're, we're doing things. You know, I'm coaching my son's two sons' baseball teams. We just got back from a, a trip to... Uh, South Carolina for his powerlifting nationals. We've got, I think, three or four hunts lined up this year with my two oldest sons. So even when they're not here, yeah, I may not be permanently there, but they're with me half the time. They're with mom half the time. But even when they're with mom, I'm still coaching their baseball teams. You know, they're with mom the last couple of nights and I'm coaching their baseball teams and, and running practices. So I, I've just got to be more engaged. More, more men have to be engaged. It's, it's a little, here's another thing I thought of. And I'm not trying to excuse my situation when I say this, but based on what's been going on over the past several months, I think, and again, I'm not trying to excuse behavior or compare myself to anybody else. I'm probably more present than most dads are who are in the home full-time. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and it's like, you see guys who, and I'm just telling you, don't, don't take that for granted. You know, if you come home and you're, you're so tired and worn out and all you do is plop your ass on the couch and, and watch TV for the next three hours and not engage with, with your kids, or you drop them off at practice and you're not there on the field. What in the world? Don't take that for granted because at any moment it could go away. Like it is for me, it's changing. The dynamic is changing. So I'm, I'm committed to being fully present. And that doesn't mean just being there with time. That means being there emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, being engaged, being in the process, coaching their teams, being involved, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think, you know, like when you, when you look at those stats too, you could easily flip that around. And, and like you said, there, there's a, you know, a majority, I wouldn't say majority, but a lot of dads out there that yes, they are present all the time. Right. But they're not really present. They're not intentional. Right. And so I, yeah. I would say that those stats would, would be the same, right. You know, with yeah. dads like that. And so, and I think too, like, I also don't know, yeah. can I say one other thing about that? Yeah. I look, I don't, I, I I'm trying to navigate uncharted water. So like some of this is just me thinking out loud, you know, what, what, what does a fatherless home mean? Cause you could very easily make the case that they're in a motherless home, right? Cause they're with her half the time and me half the time. Mm -hmm. So which is it? Well, I actually don't think it's either. I really don't. Um, I was talking with my soon to be ex-wife and, and Easter's coming up. The kids will be with me this Easter. And I said, what, you know, what, what, what's the plan for Easter? She's like, well, they're with you. I'm like, yeah, but also like Easter is important mm -hmm. to you and to the kids. And so they're going to wake up and we'll do the Easter basket thing. And then we're all going to church together okay? not, not her and I together, but together in, in proximity. Uh, and then I said, you know, come over after and let's do an Easter egg hunt. She's like, rad, well, like, she'll do the Easter egg hunt. I'll do the Easter basket. Like we're, we're committed you know, we're committed to doing the best that we can in these, in this situation. So look, I know there's a lot of guys that are in bad situations between exes and spouses, and, but man, put all that shit aside and just take care of your kids really. And if you, and if you're not in a situation where you're separated, maybe you ought to start acting like you are because at any moment it could go away, especially if you're not showing up mm -hmm. for, for her and the kids. Yeah. And you know, I, I think, um, too, like you're, you've been a, a, you know, for lack of a better word, a public figure influencer for, you know, a, a while now, whether you, you, you know, you, you want to, I'm sure you realize it, that, that you are, you know? Right. Um, and, and so when people see you going through the midst of this and, and uncharted waters, as you said, I think they're going to look to you um, as, Hey, maybe I'm in a similar spot as Ryan, right? Like how is Ryan approaching this and, and look to you for wisdom and guidance. So I think, you know, obviously, um, you know, don't wish this on anyone. It, it's, you know, it, extremely painful and what you're going through. I have no idea, but I think, you know, you being a leader in this space is going to provide a, a lot uh, of value for guys that are going through a similar situation. So that would just be my, my only, you know, two cents that, that I'd have to give is like, yeah, it, it is rough, but you know, you're gonna have a lot of guys looking to you. If I'm honest about it, right. Because yeah. the alternative is not to be honest, not to be truthful and to hide that and not disclose any of what's going on, which I could very easily do and which I'm tempted, frankly, at times to do. Mm -hmm. And then that doesn't serve anybody. And it's, it comes from a position of ego, me maintaining my own persona and my own sanity or well-being, whatever you want to call it. But if, if we share our struggles, and this is something a lot of guys don't do, but I, but I think you're right. You know, I, obviously I'm going through this. I had a couple of guys just over the past two days that I talked with, one's going through a separation 
he's in the midst of a separation right now. Another one is, is going through the, the divorce stages. And I didn't really have anything grand to offer them because I, what, what could I offer? I, I don't know. Like, but just to be there, to be able to share my experience with these guys, I hope it helped. I hope it was helpful. The guy that that's going through a separation, I said, look, man, you gotta, you gotta fight. Like this is a woman that you love. And at some point you did love this. She, she clearly at some point loved you. You got to fight. You got to change who you are and become a better person. And you got to fight for it because it's important to her. You made a commitment. It's important to her. It's important to you. And it's important to kids if you have them. Yeah. Well, dude, um, you know, we, I'm sure everybody at Tedco is going to listen to this. You know, we'll be following along the journey too. And, and guys that are going through a similar situation, you know, you, you're not going to have all the answers, right? This is, you know, so some of the guys have been through this before are, are further down that journey. Some of the guys are brand new, right? But, but I think, you know, being able to voice those struggles, uh, be able to give lessons learned where you have them, be able to give advice where you have them is, is, is huge for guys. And, and, you know, you may think that you don't have any value, whoever's listening, right? But, but you, I mean, you never know, like you, you just sharing one story or just sharing one tip or, or whatever, it, it might be the thing that is a huge impact for somebody else. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. It takes a lot of, um, takes a lot of mental fortitude to do that. Cause when you look, when you do, when you put yourself out there that way, whether it's with your kids and by the way, you should, you should put yourself out there like that. Hey guys, here's what I struggle with, or here's how I'm not doing well. Or, or, you know, when they're struggling with something, um, you know, explain, maybe don't, maybe don't rush into solve their problems. Maybe just explain how life was when you were a kid. You know, uh, I think about my oldest, you know, obviously I said it a minute ago, he's chasing around girls and obviously that's become a big part of his life as, as is appropriate. That's healthy. It's right. And, uh, you know, some, some victories, some setbacks as, as it is with, with us guys. And, you know, I don't need to rush in there to solve his problems. I, but what I have done is explained what it was like for me when I was 14 and 15 years old. And when my first girlfriend dumped me and that one, you know, I got my first kiss, like all this kind of stuff. And it's more relatable. I'm not there to solve his problems necessarily, but just to guide and help him navigate through his own challenges. Yeah. Well, right, man, I want to, um, you've had the opportunity to have on, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many podcast episodes you have now, but it's a, it's a lot. Um, yeah, it's a thousand. Some... It's right around a thousand. I think we've done 450 interviews down at this point. Okay. You're a little bit ahead of me. I think this is 55. Um, so you'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I want to talk about like two things. Like one is, and I'll come back to this part of the conversation last, um, is really how you got started. Right. And just kind of jumping in. I want to hear that story. Um, but I want to know out of all the guys you've interviewed, has there been something that's been like the biggest takeaway that, that you've, you know, gotten a nugget from, right. And said, Hey, I want to implement this in my life. Um, you know, this person that was on was, was had a tremendous impact on me. Like, what was that lesson? Um, I, yeah. I'm sure guys would love to know. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, like, like I said, 450 interviews with some incredible men, uh, a couple of that stand out. I did a couple of interviews with John Eldridge. He's the author of wild at heart. Mm -hmm. Have you read that book? I have. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Phenomenal book, Christian undertones to it. Uh, it doesn't, I'm Christian. I don't, I don't know if you are, it doesn't really matter. There's still a lot of lessons to be extracted, whether you're Christian or not. Uh, the conversation I had with him, the thing I love about John is that he's so bold. He's so bold in his claims and assertions about what masculinity is and how men are supposed to show up. And that's just something you don't see a whole lot. Everybody's waffling around. Like I think this, and I think that, and I don't know, but if you're offended, then you can think something else. And this guy is a man of conviction. You know, there's a funny, uh, a reporter, I think asked the, I, I don't know the, the, the exact title, but maybe the prime minister of 
New Zealand, you know, what, what is, what is a, Oh man yeah. Or what is a yeah. Woman? I saw, I saw that. Um, he's like, yeah, he's like, well, I haven't, yeah, I haven't had time yeah. to pre-formulate my answer. So <laughs> you don't need to pre-formulate your answer on what is a man and what is a woman, but this is what, this is, this is the great plight of society today is nobody can just speak boldly and courageously. Look, I, I know what a woman is. I know what a man is. If you don't like it, that's on you. Okay. That's fine. Whatever. You can think something else you're wrong, but that's on you. And it's not my responsibility to make sure you feel okay with my answer. But that's what I loved about John is you're just so bold and courageous in the way that he shared his perspective on masculinity. Uh, the other one that really stood out was, and I've done two with him at this point is Tim Tebow. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. The, the first conversation I had with Tim was in New York. He was doing his book tour and uh, I was able to sit down with him. We got a we got a nice hotel room and set up a podcast studio in the room and he came up and you know, what was interesting is when he walked in, it, his presence was palpable. David Goggins was a lot like that too. I met with Goggins in Vegas and did an interview with him, but it was palpable, you know, for different reasons, obviously Goggins and, and Tim Tebow, different people, right? Completely different people. But there, I, I think that, I think what I felt was their conviction think that's what I felt so convicted in their way of life so convicted in what they believed in uh, practicing what they preached like living it fully and I, I think when there's when there's a, a connection when it's forged between you know what we think about who we are and what we think about our lives and just life in general and in the way we're actually showing up and that's powerful and I'll tell you I've deviated from that in times of my life and I'm getting on the path now. And I'm telling you, I feel more powerful when those two things are connected. And I think that's what I felt from both Tebow and uh, Goggins. Yeah, I think when you're living in alignment, living in integrity, right? You're on another level. Of course. Um, yeah. And, of course. Uh, Nothing's going to stop you. Yeah. And, and that's hard, man. And, like, and this almost segues into the, the other part of the conversation I want to have is like, there's a lot of guys out there that probably have this conviction, right? And they're like, oh, man, like I'm working this, you know, crap job. I don't care anything about. And um, you know, yes, they're providing financially, but like, they feel like there's more, right? Like, I, I feel like I need to be having, you know, uh, more impact in, in the world, more impact in my kids' lives and, and whatever. And I, I'd love to know kind of like, how did you get started? Cause there's a lot of guys in that situation that are like, I'm not living in integrity. I'm not doing what I want to do. Um, like what's the path to get started? I was at the gym the other day and I was, uh, I think I was on the, uh, squat rack and I look down and they have these stations where they have little wet wipes that you can pull out of the station and clean off the bench and all this stuff and clean as you go. And I looked down and I saw somebody had taken one of those wipes and they had probably wiped the bar down or wiped the bench down. And then they, it just got set on the ground and it probably just got set there because they were going to throw it away and they forgot about it. And I walked over and I picked it up and I threw it in the trash. And then I walked over to uh, the leg press machine and I saw a water bottle cap on the ground and somebody just probably took their water bottle out or whatever. And it got set there. Like, I don't think anybody was devious about throwing trash in the gym, but it was there. And so I picked it up and I walked over the trash can I threw it away. And then I went over to the cable machine and inside of the cable machine, uh, there was a, a cup, a cup holder and it was a crushed water bottle in the cup holder. And I looked around, nobody was there. So I picked it up and I went over and I threw it in the trash. That's how you get started. Like you just do the right thing, you know, and it might be simple. It might be, be, what, what you think is, is insignificant or meaningless, but that's where you start. You start with the smallest things and you do the right things and just trust that doing the right thing. Look, I don't, I don't know if any you know, sort of grand thing will come from me picking up a couple of pieces of trash at the gym. I'm sure it won't, 
maybe, I mean, maybe somebody saw me do it and they're going to start a conversation with me. And that's going to be the person that I create this business partnership with. I don't know, probably not, but the way that we show up in those moments is what matters. And so if you're stuck in a job that you hate, you're providing the bills and taking care of that, but you hate the job then do the job better. Like do that job better than you are today. And if you do that job better than you are today, then opportunities are going to begin to present themselves. Opportunities that you didn't know existed. You're creating opportunities. You're actually going to be exploring and looking for opportunities like you weren't before. But that's where you get started. And then the other way to do it is also, I would say, not or, but also, is when you feel compelled to do something, as long as it's moral, legal, and ethical, you should do it. You should do it. If you feel compelled to sign up for a Spartan race, then you should sign up for a Spartan race. Don't, don't, don't say, hey, I don't know if I should. I don't know how to run. Who's going to do it with me? It's too hard. I don't know how much it costs. None of that. Just go do it. Just go do it. You know, if you feel compelled to start a podcast, then you owe it to yourself and to our creator to start a podcast that that was implanted in you for a reason. You owe it to start a podcast. Oh, I don't know how to do it. It's not going to be as big as Drew's. It's not going to be as big as Ryan's. I don't know, but that's all bull crap. You could jump on YouTube. If you, I tell guys this, I've had coaching. I don't do a lot of one-on-one coaching, but I've had coaching clients who will say, you know, I, I want to do this thing, but I don't know how. You could have a podcast if you really wanted to. You could launch a podcast today. Am I wrong? No, you're not. With your phone, and then just bam, out in the world. You, yeah. if you really <laughs> wanted to do a podcast, then you could have one out this afternoon. But you don't because you don't really want it. Which again, like we started, is okay. But if you say you want something, then you actually have to go out and pursue it. Yeah, so I would say make the situation you're currently in better. Do a better job where you are. Number one. And then number two, if you feel compelled to do something, as long as, again, disclaimer, <laughs> legal, moral, and ethical, then yeah, start pursuing. Yeah, I think, you know, a big thing is like, when there's fear, it, it's probably a sign that you should lean in, right? Because that, that's where growth is going to happen, you know, um, like you said, with the disclaimer, legal, ethical, and moral. Um, but I think for me, especially, that, that's where I found most of my personal growth and, and fulfillment is like things that I know that I, I should do, I have conviction on. But there's a little bit of fear there, right? There's that that devil on my shoulder saying like, no, you're not good enough or no, you don't know how or, or whatever. But, you know, of, of, of taking that action and finding that courage to, to take the first step forward. And usually the journey will, you know, it will show it to, to you along the way, right? You're not going to know what to do at first. Um, but yeah. you take that action, you have that faith of like, I don't know what this is going to be. I don't know what's going to end up. Um, and I don't really know what I'm doing, right? But I know this is what I'm supposed to do. And so like, I'm going to take the first step. I'm going to have that faith. Yeah, to, to go out and literally lean into that fear. And that's where I found the most growth. I would even say one of the things you just said is, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. I don't even think that's a prerequisite for doing yeah. something because we don't know. You know, and there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of hesitancy. There's a lot of uncertainty. And sometimes when we say, I know this is what I sh- should be doing, then there's some sort of finality to it that if we do it, then we can't deviate from that. And I don't like that mentality either. I think the better mentality is, I don't know if this is what I should be doing, but I'll be damned if I don't find out. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know what's down that path, but that path looks pretty enticing to me. I think I'll do that, right? And, and you might go down the path and you're like, oh, this kind of sucks. Yeah, I don't like this. So turn around and find a different path. 
Or you might find out, I kind of like this. Let me go around this bend. What's around this bend? What's over here? And you go explore that. I think we need to give ourselves a little bit more permission to explore, to experiment, um, to not make things so final uh, and, and, and so definitive and just see what lurks around the other corner. Yeah, I, I like that approach as well. And I think, um, you know, when I'm coming out of this, what I'm supposed to do, I think there's, you know, something is compelling you to take an action, right? And you may not know sure. what, that, what that is, right? And, and you may not know the finality of it, of what it's going to look like, but there's a direction that you're being pulled. Um, yeah. And I think that happens with a lot of guys. And, and then we, we face that first level of resistance, which it might, it might just be the first layer is, I don't know what to do, right? I don't know anything about this. Um, and then we stop, you know, and, and guys, the answers are out there. 99% of the time for free, freaking Google it, freaking YouTube it. You want to learn anything. You want to go in a direction. Like there's a resource out there. Um, it's just taking that, that first action and having that faith that you'll figure it out along the way. Yeah. I think there's a lot of guys out there who feel like they're not tapped into something about what their potential and future might hold. And, and here's, here's a way of looking at it. Let's say you've got a really close friend who reaches out to you and they're struggling with um, their finances and you happen to be really good with money. And they reach out to you and they're like, hey, I'm really struggling with finances. I've got a lot of debt and I, I want to make this investment. And I don't really know how and cash flow and all this kind of stuff. And you take valuable, precious time out of your day. And you're like, cool, let me sit down with you. Let me take a look at your budget. Let me look at your cash flow. Let me look at this investment idea you have. Like, let me look at it. And then you take time out of your day and you give them that time and you give them ideas. And then the person you're giving ideas to, your friend here in this case, says, hey, thanks, but I don't think I'm going to do that. Okay. The next time he comes to you and asks for advice, what are you going to do? You're not going <laughs> to no, give him advice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're like, Hey, I don't know. Like, good luck figuring it out. Like, you're not going to invest in that. Okay. The same is true. And I think it's God. It's, it's divine inspiration. I don't care what you think it is. That's what it is. That's what I think it is. And if I have that, and maybe you don't think it's that. If you don't and you think it's just, I don't know, the way that we've developed consciousness, whatever you think, okay, it doesn't matter. If, if that's the case and something is compelling us to move in a direction and we're like, nah, bro, I'm good. Like God puts this idea in my head. And I'm like, nah, that's stupid. I don't want to, I don't know. Nah. How, how much longer do you think you're going to be tapped into that voice? Not much longer. So you better listen to it. And you better apply it. And the more you listen, the more you apply, the louder that voice gets, the more clearly defined it gets, the more accurate it gets, and the better it is able to guide you on the path. That's God. Call it what you want, but that's the principle. Yeah, dude, I love that, man. I really do. Um, Ryan, I want to be respectful of your time. We're, we're coming up on, um, on a close here. I want to, um, you know, the, the, the title of this podcast is the Epic Dad Legacy Podcast. And uh, we, we talked a little bit earlier about uh, kind of the role as your dad is to make yourself obsolete, right? And so, you know, hey, it could happen when they turn 18 and they move off, it could happen tomorrow, you know, that the dad's not there. But when you think about the word legacy, and you think about what you want to leave to your kids, uh, like, what does that mean to you? Like, what type of legacy are you trying to build? Yeah, you know, look, I, six months ago, I may have said, I want them to be able to, you know, follow me in my footsteps and do everything I did and, and use my example as, you know, a, a positive force in their lives. And, and that is true. Of course, I want that. Uh, but in the midst of what I'm going through, I, I really want my legacy for them 
to see that in the midst of our screw ups and our mess ups, that a man can redeem himself and the man can improve and that he can get better and that things are going to go well in life and things are going to get go wrong in life. And, you know, that's not a question. It's going to happen 100% that's going to happen. It's really what we do with it. And so I hope in this moment, as I talk with my kids about what's going on and where I failed and where I've fallen short, I hope they see that a man, I hope they see a man who's like willing to get back up, dust himself off and like get himself back in the game and improve. And I'm, and I'm very, I'm very honest with my children about that. You know, I've talked with my kids about alcoholism and I've talked with my kids about what I'm doing to overcome it. Like I'm very truthful and transparent with them about that because it's important. They see my own shortcomings and hopefully they'll see my example of overcoming that and be inspired to do the same when life gets hard for them. And it will, it's not a question. It definitely mm-hmm. will. Yeah. Well, Ryan, where can you guys go to, uh, uh, to, to, to learn more about you? Order of Man is the podcast. So you're listening to a podcast now. So since you like podcasting, check out that. Uh, or orderofman.com is our headquarters. And that's where you can find more of what we're doing, including our events that we run. Uh, and then I'm pretty active on Instagram, uh, which is at Ryan Mickler. And my last name's M-I-C-H-L-E-R. Too easy, man. Too easy. Well, Ryan, I, I want to you know give you a sincere thank you. Like I said, you, you've been um, somebody I've followed for a long time and, and, and looking forward to connecting for, for, you know, quite some time now. And, and you provided a lot of value for, for me personally, you know, on my journey of, of, uh, personal development on leadership, on fatherhood, you know, so just want to, um, you know, publicly you know, say that, 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 uh, you've got my support and everything that you have going on and, and the message that you are putting out is, is much needed, man. So, so I wanted to say, uh, say thank you. Awesome. Thanks brother. I appreciate the opportunity to keep doing good things. We, uh, we need more dads in the fight wherever that that is and whatever that looks like in their current situation we need more dads in the fight so appreciate your work absolutely well uh guys that's it for us and we'll uh we'll see you on the next episode